Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. We're in Psalm 16 this morning, and I do trust that everybody had um, a happy New Year's and um, hopefully looking forward to uh, a good year in 2022. And I think what we've learned in the past couple of years is it doesn't matter how good of good vibes you go, have going in, you really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Imagine there was a book I read somewhere that says we shouldn't boast of tomorrow because we don't know what a day will bring, right? There's a book that I read somewhere. I think you guys have it in your lap, right? Um, we get, no matter how many good vibes sometimes we carry into tomorrow or in today, We really don't know what's going to come. But what we can know and what we do know and what we need to cling to is we know the God who holds today. We know the God who holds tomorrow. And that's what this message is really going to center around this morning. Um, When I was a a kid in... um, in, uh, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, that dates me now. Uh, that used to not seem like that long ago. Now it really, really does. Uh, growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, 2002 sounded very futuristic. All right, thinking about 2022 was even more futuristic, right? I'm like, man, I expected it to be like flying cars and, you know, all these things. You could pop a little dehydrated pizza into the microwave and it would come out. And I got all these ideas from a movie called Back to the Future Part 2, uh, where Marty McFly goes, and this is is the sad part. We are now living in 2022. We are now living seven years past the year that Marty McFly went to in, 2000, in, in Back to the Future 2. We are now living more future than Back to the Future. Okay, get that? He went to 2015 when they had flying cars and everything. So I'm kind of disappointed that I'm still driving on the ground. I'm kind of disappointed that my daughter who got her driver's license this week did not actually have to get her pilot's license um, instead. But anyway, we'll get there eventually, right? It's a little bit depressing sometimes, especially now that I'm thinking about my daughter having her driver's license as well. So, um, but anyway, um, and personally, I've seen 41 New Year's now, okay? I've seen 41 New Year's now. The ball has dropped 41 times in my life. And every year that it happens, I'm like less and less impressed with it. Does anybody else have that problem? Like less and less impressed with the fact, okay, it's New Year's. This year, I mean, I used to be like so excited. I'd stay up and then I'd stay up for a couple hours afterward because, you know, all the sugar and everything. This year, I was really happy that I stayed up and then I crawled myself to the bed at midnight feeling accomplished and I was out by like midnight and 30 seconds. Okay, it was, it was, it was over with, right? Um, another thing we usually do each New Year, other than staying up and watching a glass ball, in New York City drop is we usually begin to make resolutions and we begin to map out the year and some goals and we calendar some things out. If you're, a, if you're an A-type person, you've already got January through December already mapped out on your calendar and it is in ink. You don't have to pencil things in because you've got everything planned out to the letter. God bless you people. All right, I used to be that. I can't, I can't handle that kind of stress anymore, right? But there's something about having 365 blank pages on our calendar that makes us feel like the sky's the limit and anything can happen. And the truth is, anything can happen. And we always want to make sure that we're moving forward and not backward. We hope that by the time I'm preaching this message next year, we're better off than we were this year, right? We always want to be moving forward and not backward. And most people, if they're asked, what would you like in the new year? Most people would say something like, well, I'd like a promotion. I'd like to maybe get that new higher paying job. I'd like to maybe look for something new. Or maybe they'd like to say, I'd like to get healthier. Maybe I want weight loss or maybe I want to just get more fit or I want to eat healthier. Some people may be saying, I want to try to get into college. I want to get that acceptance letter from that college that I've been waiting for. 
Most pe- some people want to say, especially if they're seniors, they say, I want to graduate or I want to find someone. I want to find that relationship that I feel like I've been missing out on. Some people may say, I want to get that new house or get that new car, although right now it's not a good idea, right? I want to read some new books. And so you have a, a, a book list of books that you want to read. Or maybe you say, I want to go somewhere new and see something I've never seen in this world. Or maybe you say, I want to go back to that favorite place in the world. I'd like to go back to that favorite vacation spot. Most of these changes and events, they're good, they're noble, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're superficial at best, right? They're, 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 a lot of them are skin deep. They, they, they don't really provide any anchor that we can really hold on to. And our text this morning provides kind of a resolution of sorts, but not for our physical life, not for our financial or economical life. It provides a resolution for our soul, for our spiritual life. A lot of times we make resolutions for the health of our bodies or for the health of our bank accounts, but we don't sit down and think about what resolutions can I make for my soul. And maybe sometimes it's because we think that my soul is just in the hands of God and what God does with my soul, God does with my soul. And that's one way of looking at it. But another thing is that God wants us to make that effort. He says in the word, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. There is an effort that is expected of us to follow after God. Every word and every command that God gives to us is a verb. It's meant for us to have action. Even when he says, rest in me is a verb. It's an active resting in him. And so that's what this morning we're going to look at. And beginning in Psalm chapter 16, uh, verse number 7, we're going to read four verses. And our text this morning can be kind of a, a resolution of sorts. Now, it's not going to sound like a checklist of things that we need to do, but it's going to give us an overall idea of what we need to have, the condition of our hearts, the condition of our souls, and the condition of our spirits. And I guarantee you this, that if we get this part right, these, things, these other things that we look at begin to fall in place. Now, I'm not saying, hey, if you do what, Psalm, what, what this text says, then all of a sudden you'll get that new house. God is not a prosperity genie for us. He's our Lord and master, but he will make us begin to see things in the proper perspective. And so let's look at Psalm 16, verse number seven. He says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me and in your presence is abundant joy. And at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would be the great illuminator that you are. I pray this morning that you would speak the truth to us. Lord, it's it's no secret that this, this service right now from a logistical standpoint has not been as cohesive as it could have been. We didn't get off to the right start. We didn't have a song play the right way and all kinds of things, Father. But I think it's part and parcel to teach us of this, that we keep our eyes upon you because you are our joy. You are our strength. You are our desire. So I pray this morning that even through our feeble efforts, you will still be glorified and you will be lifted high because when you are lifted high, you will draw all people to yourself. And so this morning, I pray as we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Speak to us now. We need you. Feed us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. In this passage, the psalmist looks in his heart at the basic needs of life. This passage may not look like a whole lot on the surface, 
But as we dig down into it today, we're going to see the fact that all of the basic needs that we have in our life are met or are asked for in this passage of Scripture, and they're all found in the person of God or in the person of Jesus Christ, the comforter that lives with inside of us. See, this passage, Psalm 16, was popular and it was admired by the apostles in the New Testament. Even though it was written thousands of years before that, they went to this passage quite often. Two times, specifically in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul goes, or the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul go to it and use it as a reference in sermons that they're preaching and in letters that they're writing. See, in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter quoted the passage in his sermon on the day of Pentecost to declare the resurrection of Christ and our need for a relationship with him. He says, you will not suffer your eternal one to see decay. He was talking about the resurrection of Christ and basically says this, that what separates Christianity, what separates Jesus from all other religious figures and all other religious icons out there is that Jesus rose from the dead. And church, we must never forget this. This is one of our foundational doctrines and we cannot let this go. Jesus is alive today. All right, And because Jesus is alive today, Psalm 16 is real today as it was the day it was written. Jesus is alive and he lives interceding for us at the right hand of God the Father. One day he is returning. That's the foundational promise of the church. That's why we sing, in Christ alone my hope is found. And that's why we sing, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And Paul, real, or Peter realized this when he preached that first message, at the, basically at the ordination of the church of Jesus Christ. And he said, it's the resurrection of Christ that makes this real. It's the resurrection of Christ that is our hope in no matter what we may see. The apostle Paul also used this passage in Acts chapter 13. Particularly in verse number 35 when he states the eternal nature of Christ. He says, therefore, he also says in another passage, you will not let your Holy One see decay. This passage in Psalms states and declares our most basic and inner needs for mankind. And the resurrected Savior meets each one of those needs. Why? Because he's alive to meet them. He's alive to meet those needs. Many people would say that they want some pretty deep things in the new year. You may say, Pastor, I think you were a little bit flippant with talking about those things that we may have resolved for in the new year. You may want something a little deeper. You may want peace. You may want happiness. You may want joy. You may want physical healing. Or you may want healing for someone. All of those things are based out of the root things that we want in life. At the end of the day, we want security. At the end of the day, we want peace. At the end of the day, we want joy. And we want companionship. And all of those things that we talked about, the new job, the new house, the new relationship, getting into the school I want, all of those things are part and parcel. They're, re they're ingredients in a recipe that we think will lead to that happiness, will lead to that peace, will lead to that stability. Deep down, it's human nature to desire happiness and peace and purpose and connection. So today I want to look at this text this morning and some very noble goals and qualities that people will probably strive to attain in this upcoming year. And they're all found in Jesus Christ, just like the psalmist said. Number one, the soul longs for stability. The soul longs for stability. At the end of the day, deep down, no matter what we can get in life, what the soul is looking for, is searching for, is stability. This is why so many people think, if I could just get that higher paying job, if I could just get that better house, if I could just get more respect at, my, at the office, if I could just get this, if I could just get that, that will provide me with stability. Why? Because money is security in our world, right? If we don't have it, 
There's some bad things that happen. And so we think the most money I can have, that gives me the most security. But I encourage you to talk to some of the richest people in the world because they still struggle with feelings of insecurity as well. Those, having those things don't make our, doesn't make our security magically appear. Security is not found in things. We know this. Security is found in where we stand with Jesus Christ, in our position with him. See, most people, if being honest, say they want 2022 to be a year of stability. They want 2022 to be a year where they don't have to worry and they don't have to look out and say, man, I don't know what's going to come tomorrow. And especially after the past two years that we've had, some stability would be nice to like open the calendar and be like, yeah, it doesn't look like anything crazy is coming my way. That's great. We want stability because it's a scary place, isn't it? We don't know lately from day to day whether it's viruses or storms or wars, rumors of wars. I think there's a book that talks about that too. There's all these things that come raining down on us and we just want a little bit of stability. Can I just get a day where I don't have the weight of the world pressing down on me. And it's a longing that we understand even more in the past couple of years. See, New Year's 2020, everybody was going in with great vibes. New decade, new me, all that stuff. And then March came in. And March is like, boom! You know, and then April came. And it's like, boom, another one. And an uppercut and all of this stuff. And then everything started to like kind of trickle down. And then all of a sudden we have Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and the social unrest and, and all of those things that took place in the, in the search for justice. And we realized the world's not as safe of a place as we would like it to be for everybody. And then that hit. And then we had an election and then we had a new Delta variant. And all of these things just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And it looked like we were getting there with COVID and then Delta and new spikes, and everyone and wondering, and now we're spiking again with Omicron, and I just have to be totally on, let me just be totally honest with you. The past two years have been brutal for the church in America. They've been brutal. And experts say that it may get more brutal than it is now. The last two years have been hard for us here at Graceway too. They really have. And I've tried to smile through it, and try to, you know, because there's no other choice. But we were hitting our stride, man. We'd been here for a year. We'd done the internal work that needed to be done in our replant. And we were ready to begin to make a mark in the community. And then, bam, March 2020 hit. And then it was shutdowns and social distancing and virtual worship services and canceled Sunday schools and canceled programs and all of those things. And they were done for a long time. And then it was as we came back, it was like, do we wear masks? Do we not? How do we do church in a hybrid model and all that stuff? And then we see people go through a resort of churches and we've lost people through that. Families that are near and dear to us. And it's, it's happening everywhere. It's not just this place. It's not just Graceway. It's happening everywhere. And we have people asking the question, is church even worth it anymore? Apathy seems to reign supreme as well. And I'll be honest, it's exhausting. And it can feel overwhelming. So in 2022, I'd really like to see some security. But the truth is, church, and I say this with all love in my heart, I can't find my security in you. You can't find your security in me. We have to find our security in Christ. Christ is our security. And, what, and the church, and we have seen it through history, the church ebbs and flows, but Jesus remains on his throne. The question we have before us as the church of Jesus Christ in America is, who are we serving? 
It may not look like the church is winning, but the book of Revelation tells us the church is already victorious. That's the security that we have in him. Look what it says again in our text. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. And this is what I have to remember after talking through all that. And I don't say that to put a big downer on things. I just look to be real. When I'm feeling weak and when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling frustrated, I have to remember this next text. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. For many people, it's the quiet stillness of night that's the worst. When it's dark, when everybody else is asleep and there's nobody to call and wake up, and all those thoughts begin to come in, fears, insecurity, anxiety, fear of what may be tomorrow. The psalmist says, he will bless the Lord who counsels him. In the original Hebrew, it paints the picture of someone who places themselves under the care and the control of someone. Like someone submitting to the care of a doctor or, nay, I say it, a personal trainer. Have you ever done a personal trainer before? I've heard, I've heard horror stories and I know not to do that. I had trainers when I was played baseball in college and I'm like, I ain't ever paying somebody for that. If I want to be abused, I can just join the military, right? Um, but this is what it says. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. It means to submit to the authority of one who knows more than I do. And this is why we often struggle. Because we say, God, I want your counsel. I want your wisdom. Lord, I need your help. But what we're saying is, Lord, I need you to do what I want you to do. Instead of, Lord, I need you to be God. I need you to be God. And if what I need to see in my life is a completely reshaped world that I, I now filter through your eyes rather than my own, then bring that. I lie awake at night and I wait for God to counsel me. It's also reiterated even more in verse number 8. Look what it says. I will always set, let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I love the way the King James renders as He says, I have set the Lord before me. In the Hebrew language, it gives the idea of bringing things into cohesion or into perspective or to make the ground level. It means that everything is unstable, which reminds us of what the word says in James, in the book of James, that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. When we put God at our right hand, when he is at the position of honor and the position of privilege in our life, he begins to make the ground level and gives us the proper perspective and brings all the chaos into cohesion in the midst of it. And this is why we have what the word calls a peace that passes all understanding. That's the security that comes from the Lord. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. I find my security in him in the middle of the night when it's the darkest and when it's the worst. And I will let the Lord guide me because I have placed him at my right hand. And then the result is I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. Just like the great shepherd of Psalm 23 says, the Lord will guide me. When he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because real stability can only come from an eternal place. Here's the truth. Stability only lies in the things that are eternal. How can we have stability if we, ha if we only find our stability in things that fall apart? Those who say, well, I want that new house, or I want that new car, or I want that new job. None of those things are eternal. The thing about having a new car is you got to take care of it. A new house, you got to take care of it. A new job, you, it may not be there tomorrow. 
Jobs come and go. Money will be made and lost. Peace will reign and collapse. Churches will ebb and flow. But the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. He's the rock of ages. He's the eternal uncreated one. And he is that stable rock of ages that invites us to a daily relationship with him. And it says, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The right hand there is so important. It's a position of honor in the ancient culture. Whenever you would have a party or a dinner party, you put the guest of honor at your right hand as the host. There's the position of honor. This is where Jesus is seated right now in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. He's in the position of honor in heaven. He is, the, he is like the eye of the party. Everybody's eye is on him, and they should be. Is he the eye of the party for us today? Is your eye on him? He says, my right hand is important because he's in a position of honor, but the right hand is also in the ancient culture. In the ancient courtroom is the position where the advocate sits to defend the accused. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our advocate. Not only is he our advocate, but he is our payment for everything that we've been accused for in our sin. This is why the psalmist says, I've placed him at my right hand. This is so beautiful. I've placed him at my right hand. That means that whatever the accuser may bring my way, Whatever the world may bring my way, whatever chaos may come my way, Jesus is at my defense. Not only is he at my defense, but I rest in his hand. And because of that, I will not be shaken. So my resolution is I'm looking for stability in my life. My resolution should be just like the psalmist who says, I'm just going to run to God. Because I can't control what comes tomorrow, but I can control where I go when it does. Real stability comes from a balanced, stable relationship with Christ. See, there's an intentionality in the languages of verses 7 and 8. He says, I let God guide me always. That means I make it a point in my head and in my heart to let God guide me. To not waver. To not look at all these other things and say, you know what? I've given God a shot. He doesn't seem to be working. So I'm going to go out here and give this a shot. I let God guide me always. There's intentionality. And he says, I will bless the Lord. There's a, there's a resolve right there. I will bless the Lord at all times. And then he says, I will not be shaken. There's a resolve in the promise of the Lord that he's going to hold on to him. So this year, instead of spending all of our energy trying to stabilize the things that I can't control, how many times, how much energy do we spend trying to stabilize the things that are out of our control? worrying and stressing and fretting over all the things that are going on that we don't have a bit of expertise or ability to control it. Instead of worrying about all that, why don't I spend my energy running to the one who does? Resting in the one who does. See, he calls to us to come to him and to find rest. And he calls us to draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. He calls us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we can do all those things because he desires those things from us. See, we could serve a God who says, you know what? I love you and I'm benevolent enough to save you. But until you get to heaven, you're on your own, man. He doesn't do that. And a lot of us, the way we walk with him shows that we don't understand him. And I'll be the first one to admit that's me. Because the way I walk with him is I'm always looking at him like, something's going wrong. What did I do wrong? And a lot of times, that might be the case. But a lot of times, that's not the case either. Sometimes those things that come are an invitation. Come to me and find your rest in me. Find your stability in me. Because I can guarantee you, if you find it in some, something else, somewhere else, no matter how noble it is, it's not eternal. And it's not going to last. 
Only Jesus is eternal. Only his word will last. And that's your eternal soul. That's where your eternal soul will find eternal stability is in the eternal things, not the temporal things. The second thing is that the soul, not only does it long for stability, but it longs for peace and for happiness. Really, I'd rather just strike happiness because happiness is not really a soul thing. It longs for peace. Look at verse number nine. It says, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. I don't think there's anybody in here who would say, you know what? 2021 was just too good. You know? 2021, I mean, I just had too many blessings. I just had too much go on. Um, you know, and I think I, I didn't have it bad enough. I needed to cry a little bit more. I needed to have a few more bad days. I needed the car break down a couple more times. I needed to get bad news from the doctor one or two more times. I just feel like it wasn't bad enough. You have to be some sort of sadist to want, that, to want life to go that way. Nobody would say that because at our core, what we want is we want peace. Along with our, the reason we want stability is because stability brings peace. We want peace in our life. Nobody says, man, I could really use some chaos right now. I could really use it. See, we want to find happiness. We want to find peace. But oftentimes our way of finding it is so off that it leads to more chaos in our lives. See, because the truth is, and what our, what, our, what our text tells us is that God offers a full-scale peace, a full-scale source of peace and stability in our lives. There's three words in our text that we need to keep in mind from this passage. Number one is the heart. When he says, therefore, my heart is glad. He says, the heart is made glad when it is set on the Lord. That word, therefore, what's it there for? Well, you look at verses seven and eight. Because he has blessed the Lord for counsel and because he has set his sights on God, therefore the result is that his heart now is made glad. That his being, the whole being is joyful when set on the Lord. He says, my whole being rejoices. That's mind, body, soul, and spirit. Every part, every aspect of the triune nature of, of, the hum, of humanity is blessed by a relationship with God. And then the body even finds rest in the Lord. There is a distinct tie-in that when your emotional and your spiritual well-being are taken care of, your physical well-being will show the fruits of that. Same thing ties into a lot of other things as well. But see, what happens is God offers full-scale happiness. God offers full-scale peace in him when we change our perspective and keep our eyes on him. But what we often do is we settle for bits and pieces of peace. We look for a little piece over here and say, you know what? I don't know if I can ever find true happiness in my life. So I'm going to try to find it in this one piece and I'm just going to drill down on that and I'm going to ignore everything else in my life. We all know about this because we all do it, right? My life may be falling apart in 10 different places, but as long as I got one thing going right for me, then I'm going to consider that I've done okay. If you get one question right on a quiz out of 10, how well do you do on that score? You see, when God says, if you come to me, I will help you put your life into perspective. Will you still have struggles? Yes, but you will have my hand to guide you. You see, we often settle for bits and pieces of happiness. So we may say, yeah, you can have my eternal soul, Lord. I want you to take me to heaven when I die. So I'm going to pray this prayer and do these spiritual things to make sure that my eternity is secure. But my heart still belongs to me. So you can have my soul, but I'm keeping my heart. You can have my being, but I'm keeping my body. So what happens is my heart belongs to me, so I create idols of money or power that I think will truly fulfill my heart. And all of a sudden, 
that money and that power send me on an endless quest for more and I never have enough. Therefore, I never feel secure. I never find peace in my life. Or you say, God, you can have my, you can have my soul and you can have my being, but you can't have my body. My body is mine. My sexual identity and my preferences are mine. My sexual relationships are mine. I know you have a design for my body. I know you have a design for what I'm supposed to do with my hands and with my feet, but I am going to do those things. But you can have my church attendance. You can have my devotional life. You can have all those things, but my body is me. Or you say, I know that I'm to steward the body you gave me, but I just can't find the time to exercise. I can't find the time to eat properly. I can't find the time to make sure that I'm in good health so that I can serve you. This is a place that I'm dealing with personally. I, I know I make jokes about it and I crack jokes about it because that's the way I deal with things, but it's a big issue for me. I want to get healthier because the thoughts of being able to even go down to West Kentucky and help, I'm getting winded just walking up steps. And I'm thinking, how am I going to go and help rebuild houses? How am I going to help with that? And it hits me. It's not good stewardship, Derek. You've got to take care of your body because you could use your body to minister to some people right now. You see, when we settle for pieces of that peace and happiness that God offers, we never find it in our quest elsewhere. Only God can provide that. So listen to the prayer that Paul had for the believers in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, did you catch that? Paul's prayer was for a holistic peace that comes only from a proper relationship with the Lord. So what about you? Do we have a holistic peace in God or are we settling for the bits and pieces and keeping the other stuff for ourselves? Are we not trusting him with all of it? And then number three, the soul longs for stability, the soul longs for peace, and it all comes down to this. We find it in a companion. The soul is longing at the end of the day for the proper companion. See, we're not created to be alone. You may pride yourself on being a loner. I, I'm alone. And, and don't get me wrong, there are people who, and I'm like this, after a long day, after, you know, especially after a Sunday when I'm doing a whole lot of things, I need about like, about an hour. I just need to be, be by myself, be quiet, everything. Uh, my wife, my beautiful wife is like that too. She needs to have that alone time. We all need that to kind of reconnect to just our senses at times but we're not created to be alone all the time. We were created to be social beings who desire companionship and friendship. But where we find that stuff is important too. Because we can find companionship and friendship in a lot of different places. A lot of people would tie up their need for stability and happiness into that one elusive, perfect, romantic relationship. The singles sometimes may feel like if they could find that special someone, then all their troubles would go away. They wouldn't feel alone. And some who feel unfulfilled in their current relationship think that something better might be out there. And so they fantasize or they wonder why they can't seem to have the relationship like the couple across the street or the couple at church or the couple that they see on TV. See, online dating services like Match.com and other places say that their apps get downloaded 80% more in the, in the end of the year than they do any other time of the year. Why? Because nobody wants to spend the holidays by themselves. We don't want to be alone. The truth is that we're more connected than we've ever been. Through our phones, through email. You can still write letters if you want to, send cards. We're more connected than we've ever been. We've got devices that connect us. We've got cars that can take us miles 
in the matter of in the matter of just minutes we can be across town to see somebody more connected than we've ever been yet we still feel more alone than ever why is that because we are putting our stock in the relationships that don't necessarily feed the soul and until we put it in the relationship that feeds the soul, the other relationships will continually be lacking something. See, don't get me wrong. I like my alone time as much as everybody else, but I also know that being alone too much isn't healthy. We get in our head too much. We get too internal. And have you ever noticed that we're happier when we're focused on other people? That's because that's a desire that God puts in our hearts. And it grows even more when we become his children because we're supposed to be more like him. If... Here's the thing too though, if that's you, if you feel like nobody sees you, if you feel isolated, if you're sitting in a crowded room and feel like nobody understands you, nobody knows you're there, nobody would even care if you never, if you cease to exist, I want you to understand this is a place where you are loved and cared for and I want this to be a place where you are seen and you don't feel like you're alone. That's the reason this church exists. One of our core values is community, truth, love, and community. And I realized that the past couple of years and what we've been going through with COVID have made some of the ministries change and things and the sense of community may have changed a little bit. But I want 2022 to be a year where we find a way, come what may, to see that sense of community grow where we love, honor, and prefer one another. Like the word says. See, the changes in our world have threatened that sense of community. And I'm praying, and I want you to pray with me this year that we find that, we find that sense of community in one another. Because Jesus never leaves us alone and Jesus' people should never leave one another alone either. Look at verse number 10. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. The use of that word Sheol or hell in our text is significant. It is, hell is defined as the place where God is not present and his grace doesn't reach. That's the definition of hell. Oftentimes when we think of hell, we think of fire and pain. But the biblical definition of hell, yes, the fire and pain are there, but it's a place of eternal separation from God where the promise of I am with you and I will never forsake you does no longer reach. It's eternal separation from God. It's the place of total and eternal separation. In other words, hell is the loneliest possible place you could ever be. See, many people live in this world ignoring the oblivious or oblivious to the presence of God. See, since God is omnipresent, God is everywhere. Even, he's everywhere, even in the presence of unbelievers. And so, even though they ignore it or they try to, they try to, uh, they try to get away from it, the presence of God is continually there. Only in hell do we fully come to understand what it means to be out of the presence of God. And it is torture. God is constantly there. The, why we say as long as we have breath, for the, breath in the body, there's hope for the soul. God is constantly there calling out, come to me, all who labor, all who are weary, I'll give you rest. Come to me, come to me, come to me. The presence of God continually calling out, the presence of God continually guiding, the presence of God continually reaching his hand out to us. But in hell, it doesn't happen. And what he says is, I will be with you. I will not allow the faithful to see corruption. Hell will not have to be a worry for you, those who draw near to me. And you may be living right now thinking, I'm in my own hell on earth today. I want to encourage you with this. You are not alone. Jesus is with you. He doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. Find a way to hear his voice. 
See, God didn't intend for us to see hell, so he sent his son. This is how much God loves you. That as much as you turn your back on him, as much as you say no to him, as much as you laugh at him and mock him, he still says, I don't want to ever be separated from you. I'm not, I don't want to throw you away. And he sent his own son so that he could reclaim us in our rebellion. That's how good God is. That's how important his companionship to us is. But Christ's companionship, not only is it good for us, it has its benefits to us as well. Look at verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me. <laughs> In your presence is abundant joy, and at your right hand are eternal pleasures. So catch the fringe benefits of the relationship that we can have with Christ. Number one, he reveals the path of our life. Guidance from God on a custom-made plan. Isn't that awesome? Guidance from God on a custom-made plan. I love all of the, the new health, health apps because I've looked through some. They're like, healthcare just for you or, or, you know, fitness just for you. Everybody's different and everybody's got their own DNA when it comes to weight loss. That's great. Uh, I, the guidance that God gives is custom-made because he has a custom-made plan for you. He gave you a custom-made fingerprint that is not replicated by anywhere else. He gave you a DNA that is not replicated by anywhere else. And he has a purpose and plan for you that is not replicated by anywhere else. He gives us his presence, continual, never-ending, 24-7, 365. He's always there. And then he gives us pleasures that are eternal, not just a temporary fleeting pleasure that lasts for a little while and rots over time like everything else in the world, but he gives us eternal pleasure that never ends, it never expires, it never fades, it never tarnishes. And it's different from the other things. So God doesn't give us a heavenly version of what earth will give us. God gives us perfection. God gives us himself. So the companionship of Christ is always available and you have a choice. You can embrace that or you can try to escape it. But his presence is always there until we draw our last breath. And if we have, we have called upon him in this life, we are continually in his presence in heaven but if we've rejected his presence, we then come to find out what loneliness really is. He calls us to embrace him and he says, come to me, all that are tired, all that are weary. And we can throw into that all those who are on the mountaintop and all those who feel great about themselves, come to me and you'll find rest like you've never known. Come to me and I'll give you rest. See, I'm not really huge into making resolutions anymore because I've made so many of them and I've just failed miserably and beaten myself up, self up over it. So I'm not really making any resolutions this year. I do want to get healthier, but it's not really like a, a resolution that I'd be like, I'm just going to try, just like this little girl said, you mess up today, it's okay, you can try better tomorrow just to keep that before me. But here's a resolution that we can all follow spiritually. Embrace the relationship that is freely offered to you by Jesus Christ. That's a resolution that our heart and our soul desperately need. Every day we wake up, make an intentional effort. Lord, I'm going to draw near to you because I will let you guide me in the darkest hours of the night. I will put you before me. I will cling to you. I will trust you. Maybe you need to be saved. Embrace that relationship that Jesus will save you. Maybe you need to rededicate. Embrace that relationship with a forgiving, merciful Father that he will forgive and he will restore. Maybe you're starting 2022 with a doubtful, you're just moving into a new year on fumes. You're doubtful, you're insecure, 
Embrace the stability that we can find in Christ that he says, I have you, you're mine. Maybe you're moving into 2022 and you're feeling restless and you're feeling anxious. Embrace the peace that comes from a relationship that feeds your spirit and your soul first and foremost. And maybe you're moving in to the new year and you feel alone. Embrace the companionship from a savior who knows you better than anyone else knows all the stuff about you better than anyone else and who loves you more than anyone else in spite of that. As we bow our head and as we close our eyes this morning and go into a time of reflection, I ask you to consider these things. Can you embrace the relationship that Jesus has offered to you? Can you embrace him? Will you embrace him? You say, Pastor, I'm already saved. Everybody in this room that I'm looking at right now uh, you have a testimony of salvation. So maybe you're saved, but have you been embracing the relationship that you have with Christ every day? Have you been embracing it? If not, there's work to do, right? I'm working on that. I want to embrace that relationship that Christ has freely offered to me. When he says, come to me, I want to run. When he says, rest in me, I want to rest in him. Because nothing else does it. That's you this morning. Maybe just take the time right where you're at to say, Lord, open my ears. Clear out the gunk that's, that's, that's filtering out your voice and let me just hear it again. I need that companionship with you. Maybe, some, maybe God's placed somebody on your mind that you know <laughs> they need him. They need him desperately. And If God's placed that on your mind, he may be placing that burden on you to share. So whatever need you have today, I'm going to ask you that you could come this morning if you'd like. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section. Or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.